And welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood, everybody. This is your host, Yavitsa Djurjevic. Uh, fair warning, I'm a little under the weather. So if I'm coughing or sneezing at any point and I, I can't edit it out on the back end, now you know why. But uh, today I've got a special guest with me, DeAndre Wilson. Uh, he is a young entrepreneur and we connected actually via LinkedIn because he wanted to share some of his insights of the do's and don'ts of starting a business, especially as a young man in, in 2018. And uh, DeAndre, introduce yourself. Hey, thank you for having me on. Uh, again, my name is DeAndre Wilson. I'm from Evansville, Indiana. Um, I am an entrepreneur first and a caterer second. Uh, my business partner and I have been going strong with our company for five years. Um, and I just want to share our blueprint on success. Uh, my business partner and I got started in the industry uh, before we got to college. And then once we were in college, we really started doing some research. Um, we really found our passion. And uh, here we are today to stand proud and say, yeah, we completed our business plan. We've started. Uh, we're seeing profit already. Um, we're having fun at this point. I love it. I love it. I love the fact that you said you're having fun. Also, fun fact. You said Evansville, Indiana, right? Right. All right. So you, I think you're the third person on this podcast from Indiana. Um, hey. You know, we, we, we're globetrotters here. We, we've got people from Texas, Indiana, uh, California, 99.9% .9 Tennessee and 99% of that Nashville. But we've got some some outside of that. So I'm glad I'm glad we connect on it. Go out of our go out of our natural comfort zone here. But absolutely. So you said you're having fun and you started in college and you've been doing it five years. All right. So so most people you hear people all the time saying, I want to start a business. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And the problem is I come across these folks all the time and and I'll talk to them year after year, and they're always an entrepreneur at heart. They're never actually an entrepreneur and doing the damn job. So uh, how do you go from being an entrepreneur at heart? to transitioning, to actually taking action, putting yourself out there, taking the risk, creating a business plan, and like you said, getting to the point where you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. To make that transition, you have to first identify um, an issue or a problem within your community. Um, Jess and I did, and we knew, okay, putting our expertise with what we're already good at, and if we stay focused, we'll bring change. It may not be this huge global change, but we know on a local level, we'll bring change. You said stay focused. Elaborate a little bit more on that, because that, that can have a lot of different definitions for folks. Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, for five years, being able to, uh, we had to tell ourselves, keep focused, um, make sure that we do everything that we need to do our due diligence first. There's so many times throughout the phase, the course of five years where we said, man, when are we going to actually be able to cater events? When can we actually help um, other entrepreneurs? When can we actually start giving back to our community? Uh, so staying focused to us was keeping our nose to the business plan and making sure that that is well-developed. Because when you look at that business plan, you know that saying, go back to the drawing book or the drawing board, if you will, that's our drawing board. So we have to have that complete. So staying focused and, and, and keeping the dream and the goals intact. That's what we did. Yeah. You mentioned identifying a problem in the community or something that you can help. And you mentioned wanting to help other entrepreneurs. How was, yes. how was catering the solution to the problem that you identified? Give us a little bit of the backstory there. Absolutely. So, so there's two there's two issues 
and I and I can break down both of them. So Jeff, who is my business partner, he's the head chef. Okay. And in our neighborhood, when children would get out of school, we would notice that they're going to the the gas station on the corner there and coming out with chips and candy and pop tarts. Now we all love that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but that you can't eat that all the time right after school. Yeah. Um, in our neighborhood, we noticed that it was a food desert where you have only one or just a few fast food restaurants, but those restaurants don't offer healthy options. And there's no other options in general within walking distance anyways. Okay. So that's on the food side. Now, just entrepreneurs in general, whenever I would talk to other entrepreneurs, whether it was in college, at the college level, or at the high school level, no one had a strong business plan that that explained a clear plan of execution. It was always, well, I think I, I could be one, or I love to do this thing, but there's no plan of execution. And that's why I want entrepreneurs that listen to myself or any podcast or any motivational speaker that there's a plan, you have to stay focused, and it's got to be strong enough. You can't just do this just because... Um, your favorite person is doing this or a rapper is talking about it. No, you got to think about the reality of it. Okay, so what was the reality for you guys? So you've identified an issue. Kids, yeah. you know, kids are not getting really anything but junk food. And, and that, that is a problem in neighborhoods across America. Um, yeah. So so you've identified this issue. And then obviously you get to the end solution of creating a business plan and and being realistic. But what was your what was your moment of realism where it was like, okay, we can't, we can't do X, Y, Z, but we can maybe start over here. We can start with a, with a rock and over time it can develop into a boulder. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that moment for us was, when we thought back to when we were kids and there hasn't been any change over the course of 10 years. And we said, why is our neighborhood being neglected? I remember when I was in middle school, I'm, I'm out of college now, so yeah, over 10 years ago, there has been no change at all. And it dawned on me in that moment, like, wait, all this time has passed and nothing has changed? Wow, we, gotta, we have to do something. So, so what was that first step? So you guys, obviously, creating a business plan is, is, a, is a longer process, but you know, you identify the issue. What is the first thing you guys do? So after I identified the situation and we built that business plan, we started getting out in the community. Uh, we started having pop-up events. We started, and with the pop-up events, we were serving food. We were giving food away for free. Wow. Just more options. And did you guys target it towards children or just anybody in the community? It was this community as a whole. Okay. Why, why did you decide to do it for free? So at that point, we were doing two things. First off, we wanted to introduce ourselves. And people, hey, you got these two young men just giving out free food. Why? So we had to introduce ourselves. That was the first thing that we did. Also in doing that, we were also doing market research. How would the community really respond to our food? Because, again, Jeff, um, our cuisine is American cuisine with an international twist. So Jeff, a lot of times, likes to put his own spin on, you know, tacos and carnitas and burritos and Cuban sandwiches that here in Evansville, traditionally people aren't used to. Yeah. So that was something else that we did at the same time. Okay. So, so what was the response? 
we we had a lot of feedback, which was positive, but people would always write in the comments, the comment section, hey, even though it was good, we're traditionally not used to this. From the sauces, from the garnish that's um, on the tacos or the plate itself, we, we're not used to this. So it was eye-opening for them. Um, and Jess also realized that there needed to be like a, a, a food culture shift. And so that, again, created more motivation for him. Yeah. So how hard was it to, to open yourself up the potential of criticism? You know, that's something that's something Adam and I have talked about several times in regards to this podcast. You're putting something out into the world and, you know, it might suck. <laughs> quite frankly, Absolutely. people might respond in a, in a very negative manner. So with you, with something as intimate as food, something that people are eating, how did it feel to put yourself out there like that? We take all that criticism as research. Ooh, I like that. How do, yeah. How do we come back better? Um, I, for a little bit, yes, I did take it personally. And I was like, man, they're being bullies or picking on us. But for a while, I was like, you know what? No, no, let's, let's rechannel that. That is positive and free research and how how's that evolved over time do you guys still look for for criticism as a, as a way to improve or obviously the business has grown and uh you're actually as you're actually doing your hashtag podcast tour right now you know things like that so going out there and, and spreading the word but how has how has that evolved over time is it still something where you're you're getting nitpicked on on certain aspects, or is it, it has it evolved past that stage? That's more you know on a macro level, the ten thousand foot view. I we still take you know small criticism or or entitled criticism criticism. We love it. Uh, we encourage it at, out of our at our uh, at all of our events with uh, against uh, feedback cards. Mm -hmm. um, that's how turntable will live on you know for many years is that constant being critiqued that research um those customers are giving us their, their disposable income so you know please for many many years critique us we'll, we'll never be perfect and we're not trying to be perfect but um we can certainly get there by listening to our customers and developing strong customer relations yeah so so you said there needed to be a food culture shift that's a pretty in, intense endeavor to take upon. What was the process of trying to shift that culture? So that's that's on Jeff's end, but I can see it because we work side by side. It's coming up with innovative recipes um, and taking, you know, some deconstructed dish that he picked up when he was in Rhode Island or something he picked off uh, watching the uh, food the food uh, episodes on Netflix, the Great British Challenge, or all of those where he researches, mm -hmm. it's taking something from there and then bringing it to Evansville, but making it his own. Yeah. So that's what, that's what makes Jeff an, as an, a unique chef is he's constantly researching. So he's obviously on the on the food side. How would you describe yeah. your role in the company? I'm sorry, what'd you say? How would you describe your role in the company? So Jeff's role, I'd say, again, he's head chef. That's his job. My role... I would say that really and truly, until we begin to hire more staff, my role is to do everything else so that the small business, our company, is sustainable. Yeah. So you're the sales guy, you're the marketing guy, you're the uh, you're the waiter, you're you're the everything front desk person. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I wear so many hats. See <laughs> this as we hire more people, I'm giving those hats away. Yeah. So we'll talk. We'll talk to me about this. So how old are you? I'm 26. Okay, 26. So young man, where'd you go to college? 
I went to college here at Ivy Tech Community College in Evansville. Okay. So you, you get out of school, you start this business. Talk to me about the challenges you faced as a young man trying to get something like this off of the ground where, you know, you've got, you've got an idea, but there's no necessarily, there's no foolproof way to actually execute an idea. It's a lot of trial and error. Just as a person, some of the individual challenges you came across in the last five years, whether it was doubt, whether it was quitting and, and firing yourself, whether it was uh, not letting some success get, get over you, over your head. T- talk to me a little bit about that. All right. So, so that's great. That's great. Um, we'll talk about the cliches that you always hear when others say you can't do it. Don't do it. That's stupid. Why waste your time? That's a, that's a crazy risk. Go work for someone else. You have more job security that way. So we can cover all of that at any day of the week. But to- well, actually, that's a good start Start there because that I think that's a common theme that we hear over and over again. I want to hear your spin yeah, on well, it. Yeah. Um, what I did personally when I heard those you know comments, um, I would just kindly say, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and I carried on with what I had to do because I made it up in my mind already that I'm going to do this. And wh- who were the people who were telling you this? Was it family members? Was it friends? Was it family members, friends, next door neighbors, church members, people that I went to school with, professors, former teachers in high school, people on social media, people that tried before me that are a lot older that failed. The list goes on. Yeah. And what, and I mean, I know from personal experience that can be incredibly discouraging when you've got people who aren't supporting your idea and your dream and your thought around how to, how to create a bigger life for yourself. So how did you, how did you keep that little devil at bay and, and not allow for that to stop you? I had a partner, I had a business partner. My, my business partner, Jeff is also my brother. We, we stuck together. Yeah. We encouraged e- each other to keep going. And, uh, we had the support of our community going forward that anything anyone said negatively, we had so much support. It canceled it out. I think that's a very key theme. There is, if you listen to folks over and over again, who've succeeded in business, they had a support system of somebody that could lift them up when they were down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I can speak from personal experience and this is just me adding an anecdote to the equation, but uh-huh. if, if you're surrounding yourself by people who are not bringing anything to the table, you need to stop surrounding yourself by those people. Absolutely. You, you've got to, and I, I know it sucks having to cut people out of your life, which doesn't mean you never, you don't acknowledge their existence. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying if they're not bringing positive energy into your life and if they're not supporting you and and there's nothing wrong with constructive criticism don't don't don't, yeah don't don't take it that way but there's a difference between constructive criticism of like oh you did this maybe you should think about doing it that way and just Mm -hmm. criticism just for the sake of criticism where it's like well that'll never work well don't tell me it'll never work give me a solution to how it'll make how we can make it work this isn't rocket science. We need to think through it. So, you know, do a, I would encourage everybody do an audit of the people that you surround yourself with. Do an audit of of the individuals that are chirping in your ear. And if they're not, if they're criticizing without offering a solution, they probably don't need to be chirping in your ear. Ding, ding, ding. Did you have, did you have to distance yourself from any folks in your life at that point? Absolutely. To this day. And I, I don't mind to put this out there, but to this day, there are some people in my family that I don't talk to because of it. Yeah. 
and it's it's probably not a I don't talk to them because I don't like them. It's just more of a I don't talk to them because it's going to try and derail me because of where I'm trying to go. Every single time, absolutely right. So 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 the doubt and the and the family and the and the teachers and the neighbors. So so that that's one of the initial initial frustrations. So you overcome that. What about when the business is not taking off as you thought it would be? What about when you're one, two, three years in and it just seems stagnant and it just seems like you're you're spinning your wheels? How did how did you fight the neg- negative thoughts out of your own mind that were that were coming together? So what we did is Jeff and I we took three years um, to build the business plan by traveling and doing market research. And what we found was we're in the business of selling food. And so really there's no way why a catering company should be stagnant when we see uh, trends now with pop-ups. Yep. Uh, we see so many festivals and we see so many other catering opportunities where something so manageable as a catering company, you can essentially create your own. And that's what Jess and I have done. We have partnered with non-for-profits and for-profit businesses let us come into their space for X amount of time to attract people to us via social media, which has been working, that we can't come stagnant unless we are doing it to ourselves. Hmm. So I'm assuming you guys aren't just doing business in Evansville. Uh, yeah, we, we've popped over to Owensboro, Kentucky a few times. Um, and then as far as business in Evansville, we've created our own path. Yeah. You know, if we don't have catering business, that's fine. I will book us and create a pop-up. Yeah. So, so for the folks listening who don't know anything about Evansville, Indiana, give us a little bit of background. So describe the community, describe the size of the town. What, what is your upbringing like in Indiana? My, my upbringing in Indiana was, it was fun. You know, I had a great childhood. I had a great up, upbringing. I had two amazing parents. Um, the one thing I say about Evansville is that probably anywhere is that, well, it's probably worse here. Um, it's extremely clickish. Mm. And so you have to figure out how to work all four sides. You have the east side, which is, you know, really developed. You have the west side, which is on its way. You have downtown uh, that struggled for a while, but it's on the up and up. Um, then you have the south end of Evansville, where I'm from, and that's, you know, really been the the side of town that, unfortunately, is struggling. Yeah. Um, it's been neglected. Uh, but I remember we had, you know, coming up with my friends in the neighborhood, we, you know, we had everything we needed. Um, back to the, the whole pop-up thing kind of makes you think, or makes me think now, that Evansville is suffering from what's called brain drain. Okay. And one of the biggest complaints that we get is that we don't have an active nightlife. And so that goes back to pop-ups. So really, pop-ups, that concept is endless. Explain, so, explain pop-ups to people. Absolutely. Um, so pop-ups um, are just a managed event where Turntable, that's the name of, of our catering company, Turntable will be at this location from this time to this time, uh, serving, you know, X amount of people. That's our goal. Uh, we'll make it a party. We'll make it a, a themed event to try to draw individuals out for that block of time. Um, once it's gone, it's, we're done. And the reason why they're so successful is because if anyone missed out, it creates suspense. Yeah. So you're, you're almost creating a nightlife scenario in the south side of Evansville. 
Exactly, exactly. So if they miss it, well, we do it again, they'll be sure to look out for it. Okay, so you're almost you're almost creating a, a safe environment where people can get together and, and have a good time and meet with each other and you're almost surpassing the club or something like that. Try to. Yeah, that's that's typically thought of as the as the nightlife scenario or the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you know when you when you think about so you mentioned that the southern side of Evansville is, is more the neglected side? Yes. So does it have issues with, with you know higher poverty rates and, and crime and things like that? Absolutely. Okay. So you know, when you envision how your company can impact that community and impact those young kids that you initially talked about in the podcast that weren't eating right, that, you know, had nothing but, and that's unfortunately a scenario in, in poverty stricken parts of the country is you don't really have nice restaurants and Whole Foods and things like that. You've got McDonald's yeah. opening up shop. Yeah, pretty much. And, and that leads into a whole slew of issues, high blood pressure, kidney failure in the long run, earlier death everything when when you think about creating these pop-up events and and impacting the community i mean if we look five years down the road ten years down the road what impact do you want you and your you and your business partner having had on that community in in southern evansville Uh, awareness on more awareness on what to eat um my business partner and i eventually want a food truck and so we would we would want at least two of them stationed on the, on the south end of Evansville, not side by side, but on two different locations, so people could ride a bike, they can walk, um, they can, you know, drive, and have more options. And to know that, hey, uh, Turntable has good food, it's healthy for us, as well as Turntable is going to have a few events coming up uh, here in the area that we could we can attend. Well, and that's obviously going to take capital to grow to, to critical mass, having a couple food trucks, things like that. So when we actually got on the phone together, you had some exciting news to share. So you, you want to break down a little bit of that? Yeah, yeah. So so we have been very blessed to have found us an investor that cares and that listens and that wants to grow with us. And you guys have just figured out the details of, of how to get that investor involved and fund the capital to, to grow critical mass? Yes, yes, we have. We're waiting to hear back how many, uh, how much shares of the company he wants. But in conversation, he said, you know, I don't really need or want a whole lot. Um, that was good to hear, but I'm ready to see the number. Yeah, no, that's exciting. So what's the first thing you do? So you got a, a whole bunch of capital coming in. What's the first thing you do? Is it is it get the food truck? Is it do more events? What's what's your thought? The first thing is to hire. Hire uh Three more, two or three more chefs, whatever uh, my head chef Jeff uh, decides to do. Hire one or two more, maybe three, depends. Once we have enough chefs, then I, as the sales manager, uh, will go out and lock in business as well as create more pop-ups. Love it. Do you see anything stopping you guys in the next couple of years? Right now, I do not because by having a strong business plan, and it's a partnership between Jeff and I. We're ready for all obstacles. I mean, the first the first obstacle we had to overcome was turntable wasn't sustainable, and Jeff and I were both working full time jobs, paying for turntable to do X, Y, and Z, and then having events while working full time jobs. Talk, talk about that a little bit more. So you're working full time jobs, both of you, yeah. while you're you know trying to get this catering company off the ground. What's what was that like? 
Um, it was stressful. Let me tell you right there. We're going to start there. It was stressful. I didn't think I was ever going to be able to sleep again. <laughs> I would, I maybe would sleep for four or five hours and had to wake up and go do something, uh, whether it was prep for turntable or go to work for, you know, eight, eight, nine hours at the full time job. What were you doing full time? I was work here in Evansville, Indiana. We, uh, we have a Tropicana. It's our casino. Okay. Uh, and I was, uh, I was working there full time. Okay. Were you like dealing at the blackjack table? I wish I worked, um, at the, um, the buffet, the kitchen buffet restaurant. Dude, those are so good though. We've got, uh, well, my parents live in Memphis. If you go a little South to Tunica, you've got a bunch of casinos. Uh, you want some good food down in Tunica. It's a little expensive, but those buffets are incredible. Well, I'm going to take your word for it. And I'm going to go try it. I'm going to go. <laughs> that's that's my one vice that could get out of hand is gambling. It's like, ooh, I, I really I really like to hit the blackjack tables. Alcohol, not so much. Not never did drugs, none of that. But you put a blackjack table in front of me, it's like, ooh, I might spend a, I might spend a couple hours here. Hey, as long as you know it's just a couple hours, it's okay. Have yeah, you, a little fun. Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta go in with a budget. I think uh, as if anybody cares who's listening, but I think it's more about the competitive nature of the game rather than anything else. Yeah. It's like, I just want to win. Yeah. And then you run out of money. You're like, well, <laughs> spent my budget. <laughs> time to go home. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Time to go home. So you guys are working. You're, you're working full time. You're working at a casino, which those are miserable hours. Gosh. You're, you're working. And to add insult to injury, you're working at the buffet. So you're working with food. Yeah. And and they're hitting, you know, they're, they're hitting a much larger audience than you are because people are coming in to gamble. So, you know, at that point, you're, you're working in the casino. Do you ever hit a point where you're like, will this ever work or am I just wasting my time? Um, I did question, I, I did ask myself that a few times, um, but I tell you, I tell you, whenever Jeff and I said, you know what, we need to involve Papa, and I, I'm going to go back to that a few times because it's like, why well, hasn't anyone else thought about that? It's a great way to secure fun yeah. and, and to make money. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one of those things like all good ideas, they seem self-evident, but nobody does them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you almost have to, it really does just take somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to do it, and I don't really care what anybody says. It's bottom line, yes. Yes. You know, with pop-up, if I can pre-sale, you know, 200, 250 uh, food menu items, I've already made money at pre-sale. Yeah. I just got to give you the product at this point. Yeah, and, and you can prepare better for it. Exactly. So now I'm I'm attention to my overhead, my inventory, and it's extremely more manageable. So for the four to six hours where uh, at this pop-up, the job's easier. We're done. Once we pack up and lock the doors, hey, I'm going to go to the blackjack table now. Yeah. Now, now let me let me ask you this. You reached out to me about get, getting together on the podcast, and you wanted to really get a message across to to young people in general who are going into entrepreneurism. You know, when you reached out to me, you, that's why I decided, hey, I think it makes sense for us to connect. If you had to condense your message into a couple sentences or just one thought, one thing that that makes everything else easier or, or unnecessary when it comes to entrepreneurism, how would you condense that message, taking all the experiences you've had, knowing all that you know, and knowing all that you know about moving forward? Absolutely. Uh, I would say to the entrepreneurs that are listening that are still in the startup phase or still thinking about it, uh, do 
some market research in your community. Try to identify a need or weakness within your community um, and take baby steps. Please, from, from my experience, Jeff and I, for the first three years, we called. We wouldn't worry about trying to walk, run. We just called the entire time. And it worked out better for us. I know the traditionally entrepreneurs, we just go and do it. But this time, we, uh, we just crawled and built a business plan for a while. Now, were you always entrepreneurial? Like, if I if I went and saw eight year old DeAndre, was he out there slinging candy? No, 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 he wasn't. I didn't be. I didn't really turn become an entrepreneur internally, really, until um, I was in college and I started planning events. And I got my received my certification in event planning. Event planners are entrepreneurs, but I really didn't think about it. I just said, "Hey, I'm planning these events for." Uh, you know, my internship or in the community, I didn't really take a step back and look at I'm an entrepreneur. I just talked about as an event planner trying to get a good grade in school. Yeah. It's it's interesting when that shift happens, when you start thinking like, hey, I don't really have to wait on somebody else to create an idea for me. I can just do it on my own. Yeah, absolutely. Every step of the way. So we're running up here on, on time, but one question I always like to end with is if, if you could go back to 18-year-old DeAndre or 16 or 15 or whatever it may be, and and you could just say, you could slap him around a little bit and say, hey, listen to me, X, Y, Z. You need to know this, this, and this. What's the what's the advice you would give the younger version of yourself? That's a good question. I would have told my younger self, if I can go back, start reading up on the hospitality and tourism industry. Um, I would also say start paying attention to the community now and better equip yourself so when you get to college, it's even easier. So basically pick pick what you're passionate about and start learning about it young? Absolutely. I think that I think that can transition to any any group of folks. You know, not everybody's gonna be interested in hospitality or starting a catering company, but if you're interested in real estate, start learning about real estate. Get your real estate license while you're in college. <laughs> or, or you know, get your real estate license while you're working a full time job, looking to transition, or you know, whatever whatever field it may be, you can you can yeah. pick it. You can, nobody's nobody's stopping you from taking initiative, and mm-hmm. and you know, it's millennial manhood, confidence, initiative, persistence. You got to be confident in yourself. You got to take initiative, and you got to be persistent, and you got to be persistent every step of the way. Every step of the way, and you got to be persistent in the manner that you can't give up when things get tough. Yeah. DeAndre, what what would you like for the for the listeners to know? This is your opportunity to plug your business, your website, your social media presence, whatever you like. Just kind of share with with folks about your company and how they can get a hold of you and learn about you. Absolutely. Um, so Twitter, um, you can follow me personally at underscore Mister DMs or the business page, which is Turntable um, EBB. Uh, as far as Instagram, my personal is the same handle as Twitter. Um, on Instagram, business page is Turntable LLC. Facebook, LinkedIn, DeAndre Wilson. Um, on Facebook, Turntable LLC. You might want to type in Evansville on Facebook just to be on the safe side. Um, you can connect with me any way. Uh, the website is uh, www.turntablellc.com. Um, you can contact us via the website, reach out. Um, I'll get back in touch with you as soon as I can. But yeah, any way you want to connect with me, that's fine. I'll, I'll make sure to put all that information in the show notes when we put it out. But outside of that, DeAndre, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a good message for, like I said, young entrepreneurs that need to 
again, just a, again, we're not writing a doctoral dissertation on a podcast, nor are we creating a, <laughs> a business plan right here, but just little nuggets and, and yeah. let people hear your story. And, and if obviously if they want to get in touch with you, feel free. I'll, like I said, I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes for folks listening. If you've got questions, constructive criticism, compliments, comments, whatever it may be, millennialmanhoodcip at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. I always put my own contact info, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that good stuff in the, in the comment section. So um, outside of that, hope y'all have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon.